How's it going, sports fans, betters, and cappers, and welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. This is episode 220, and this podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the latest in the sports world before giving you some plays on the betting front. Now, today's episode is going to be a two-parter. We start out with some NFL Conference Championship previews with a special guest joining us right away. And then the second half is all college basketball-oriented looking at each conference and games to play on the betting front. But before we dive into today's episode, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use code SHOOTERS at signup. And please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age to do so. And if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, let's get back to the show. So I'm joined today by a special guest. We're really hoping that when we were talking AFC and NFC Championship that might contain the Dallas Cowboys. And unfortunately, they fell far short of expectations this year, but doesn't mean that I'm not excited to see him. He is the host of the Up in Flames podcast. He's the co-host of Field Stormers podcast as well. I'm joined today by Mo Murphy. Mo, how are we doing, buddy? Yo, what's going on, man? Good to be here and talk about other teams possibly playing to win the Super Bowl. So, as I said, uh, we're very hopeful that it'd be Dallas in this situation. They came up very short. Um, have you recovered since said relapse of Dallas a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I'm cool. Like, there's a bunch of different ways we can go. And I have my reasons why I would pick certain ways. But it is what it is. Like, I mean, when you get blown out like that, like, man, you just – you can't take that to heart, man. You start divvying up scenarios of this is what the Cowboys offseason should look like. This is what the possibility in it. And you rock yourself this way or that way. Or you convince yourself one other way. But, you know, I would do damage to that roster if I was the GM right now. So, yeah. Shout out to Jerry Jones for not doing what I would do because it'd be a full-blown fire sale. Yeah, there's a couple uh, couple teams in the NFC East, actually, where we thought that uh, waking up on uh, Monday and Tuesday morning after our games that uh, head coaches wouldn't be there any longer, but sounds like they're both staying long-term. But this isn't about the NFC East, no representation here in uh, conference championship week. So let's start out with the AFC championship game. Two teams that I don't think people are overly surprised to see here. 
Um, shockingly, if there was one, it would probably be Kansas City just because of how they looked the last couple months of the season. But they beat Miami and then they beat Buffalo last week in Baltimore. A little rusty in the first half against Houston, but then they ended up blowing them out overall. So, Mo, are you surprised that either of these two teams are here? No, not at all. <clears throat> like, because you know I'm not surprised that Mahomes is here. This is the – you have to – this is the pinnacle of what a great quarterback. You have to beat this man if you want to win a Super Bowl in this era. That's – since he's been a starter, you've had to beat him. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you got to beat him, at least on the AFC. On the AFC side, you got to beat Mahomes. And then if he get there, coming from the NFC, the three times they got it, like, you got to beat him. So, yeah. I'm not surprised there. And then Baltimore, man, like, we've seen this coming. Like, it was one of those, this better, like, this was Baltimore's bare minimum goal, right? One seed, you get matched up with the Texans. Like, you don't end up getting the Browns or, you know, you get the Texans that it was great that they won. Like, they reached the ultimate pinnacle of success that you could have for the Texans. Like, it's got to be all the way up from there with their fan base. Like, you won your division, won a playoff game. But, like, Baltimore has just been so dominant this year, and they've dominated the good teams in the regular season. So, yeah. Like, you knew – I knew Baltimore would be here. People doubted Kansas City would be here. But at the end of the day, like, anybody with any little doubt still was like, it's Mahomes. Yeah. You tell me Mahomes makes it to another AFC championship game, I wouldn't be surprised. If you're surprised by it still, then – I think Baltimore is one of those teams where they flew under the radar a bit, and I think it's just because the talk is always around Mahomes and then the Burrow injury and Josh Allen. Those have kind of been the three – main QBs in the AFC the past couple of seasons. But once they blew out the 49ers, I think everyone's like, oh, wow. Like like this, this is a team that they have here and they're ready to go. And I think, yeah, on the Kansas City side, they played a perfect football game against Buffalo and Buffalo made a couple of late mistakes. And that's why they find themselves home on the couch once again. And Tyler Bass hopefully is uh, in hiding right now uh, after that horrendous field goal miss. But Let's get into this game. So Baltimore, they're minus three and a half. Uh, I saw it at minus four earlier today. So the line is moving a bit. I think by the time we get to kickoff, we're looking at minus two and a half, minus three. Uh, you got Kansas City. As I said, they played a perfect game last week uh, against a battered Buffalo defense. Now you're taking on one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. And then you got Lamar, who ran for two touchdowns last week. The incredible ground game. They're getting Mark Andrews back for this game as well. So how do you see this game going? Because when I look at it on the surface, I think Kansas City's got the slight QB edge, slight edge at tight end. And then after that, I don't know how many more edges they have out there. So what are your thoughts? If you want me to be honest, this game is really solely, and I mean solely on Baltimore, one way or the other. I don't think it's about... If Kansas City play perfect football and Baltimore play their best game of the year, they, they're going to blow Kansas City out. If they find themselves in a tough game, even if it's a shootout, like even let's say it's 35-31, end of the game, Lamar got a score to win the game. Like your defense didn't play, like they gave up 35 points. So like there's an opportunity where like if they play their best football, they should blow Kansas City out. So that's why I say it's, it's all on Baltimore. Like, whatever Baltimore team shows up will dictate this game. As great as Mahomes is, you know me. Like, I love Mahomes, but I don't think it's about how great he plays. I, I don't think it's really about Mahomes. Like, if he plays great 
and Baltimore doesn't and they win the game, then yes, it is. But it, I, even in that instance, I think it would be more about how Baltimore didn't show up when it mattered as opposed to Mahomes just doing what we know he could do. We know he could go throw for 405 yards, freaking four touchdowns, no picks, 30 rush yards in, in the AFC championship game. If I told you those were going to be his numbers, you'd be like, yeah, I, I, I won't argue that. Like none of us will argue that. We don't know what, now let me tell you, Lamar going to throw for 400 and three touchdowns and a hundred on the ground. Like now you're like, oh, see, we're talking to that. We don't know. We haven't seen that. We don't know what that looks like. So that's why I think it's all on Baltimore. I think when you dive into the numbers of what these two teams are as well, I mean, they're the number one and number two defense in points per game allowed. So that's why you're seeing this 44 and a half total. They think that we're going to get 21-17 at best, like 24-20. Like that's sort of the range that they're thinking. But I mean, Baltimore had the better offense all year as well. Um, way more points per game. We know that Mahomes struggled uh, weapons-wise especially. Uh, with all the drop balls and such. So I think the fact that it took a perfect Mahomes game to beat Buffalo tells me that I thought that Baltimore was light years ahead of both of them. And so I'm I'm in the same boat. And what's giving me the hesitation of betting it is strictly the, the Mahomes factor, which I should give Kansas City more credit because I just said they have one of the best defenses in the league as far as points per game allowed. But it's a tough one to navigate because Lamar, yes, he picks up the win against Houston. We know historically playoff wise, he hasn't quite gotten the results that he's looked for. And Mahomes, this is his sixth straight AFC championship, which is crazy that he has been in the AFC championship game every year of his career as the starter. But it's, it's giving me a little bit of cause for concern in that aspect. But I mean, if Lamar does win this game, we're, I think we're both anticipating that he's the league MVP this year, right? I mean, he he's already that, right? Well, he hasn't been crowned MVP. Like, he's he's the well, favorite. We have to wait until – it's the formality of – we all assume yeah. that come year end, he's going to be the MVP of the league. So we're talking about a two-time MVP with a chance to go to his first Super Bowl, and he's going up against his main rival in the AFC. Everything runs through Mahomes, and – I really hope that he shows up in this game and that he has a good day. Now, so if you were betting this game, are you betting Baltimore spread? Like, where are you thinking on this game? Kansas City money line is really where I'm thinking. Like, because I'm, I'm going to tell you, I told you it's all about the Ravens. Somebody important somewhere at some point in time is not going to show up. And it's going to be a crucial moment. And it's either A, going to be the moment where the Ravens had an opportunity to put their foot on Kansas City neck. They didn't. Chiefs were able to capitalize off the unfortunate event that didn't happen, and they go on to win the game. Or Mahomes is just great, and Ravens just are a no-show. The moment's too big for a team. And, you know, because if, if you're Baltimore, you got to think about it. When this is your first time getting here, and this is your first time playing Mahomes to get there, you might only get one bite at the apple. Burrow ain't, you know, Burrow got another bite at the apple. He won one, lost one. Josh Allen only been to the AFC Championship game once. Like, you might not get another shot at trying to beat Mahomes. So, you got, there's more pressure on Baltimore. If Mahomes loses game, it's still like, okay. Yeah. And still Hall of Fame, one of the GOATs. Like, he's still on a different type of trajectory than everybody else. But if 
if Lamar loses this game and, and the Ravens do, like, you just start to have different conversations. They're just totally different conversations in the loss, which means if I lose and there's no pressure, like, yes, Kansas City wants to win the game. And I don't know, man, what's more important to the NFL? Lamar winning the Super Bowl or giving you a dynasty for the next 20 years? <laughs> because, like, essentially – Lamar winning a Super Bowl would be huge for a lot of factors of football moving forward. Yeah. It, it, he would affect the next 20 years, 20, 30 years of football if he win this Super Bowl. But that'd be over time and over development where the more Mahomes wins, the more this, this great story continues to trot and we just fall right from Brady to Mahomes to, you know, like yeah. I think it means more for that too. So I don't. I'm not saying the NFL's rigged. Just sometimes the Cinderella stories fall in favor. The football gods take care of what they need to take care of. I think too. So this is Baltimore's first time hosting an AFC Championship this century. Sounds like they're gonna have Ray Lewis there. They're gonna have. They're gonna have all of Baltimore behind this team, trying to win this game. And yeah, it does change the conversation if Lamar doesn't win this game because he's got the better defense. He's got the better weapons. He's better on the ground. Like everything points to the fact that Baltimore should win this game. But again, it's a bad man on the other side. We know that he's a multiple time Super Bowl winner, multiple time MVP. So the conversation certainly will be around. Can Lamar get it done finally? because he's got everything in his favor. We know how much it took some of those teams in the past to beat Tom Brady. Like we knew Peyton Manning never had a good defense, finally got a good defense and they were able to overcome it. But it takes a lot to eliminate these sorts of teams in the playoffs. Bounces need to go your way. And the fact that they have home field, I think is massive. So if I'm betting, if you're talking purely value, it's probably, as you said, Kansas City money line because you can get it at plus 180 plus 200 probably on some books, depending where you look. But you're either picking Baltimore to win this handily with that spread, or you're just picking Kansas City outright because of Mahomes. Now, I think that there's some intriguing player props that I'm going to run past you for this game. So Pacheco's been huge for Kansas City the last couple of weeks. Rushing and receiving right now is sitting at 85 and a half. He had 111 last week, 88 against Miami the week prior. I do think that Mahomes is going to lean on him quite a bit, um, especially in the receiving game portion of it, because Rashid Rice was really nowhere to be found last week. It was it was a Kelsey week. Like, obviously, he scored Kelsey. a couple of times. Yeah, you can do about it. You just and, let him have his day. But, but you don't want to go – I truly believe that you don't want to take receiving yards – from either quarterback. And I think that's crazy to say because we're just talking about how great Mahomes is. But if you are going to beat Baltimore's defense, it is going to be on the ground, which is why I think that Pacheco could find some success here. And by doing rushing and receiving, you're kind of hedging it a bit because you're hoping, okay, Pacheco picks up like 55 on the ground and then he gets another 35 in the air. What do you think of the Pacheco line? I would take his under. You like the under here, okay? Yeah. Why is that? Man, this listen, what's what's been the downfall of the Chiefs all year? Their weapons holding on to the ball. What's been their upside as of late? The way Pacheco is running and catching out of the backfield. So Baltimore, you think that they're gonna key in on that? 
And yeah. and guess what? You know why? They're a team. There's a lot of teams. You know who couldn't do it last week? The Bills. You know why? Because their player that could do it was injured, and he's been injured like the whole season. The the Ravens got Patrick Queen. They got Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith <laughs> at linebacker to deal with Pacheco on both sides of the ball. Yeah, man. Okay. That's – I just – the way the Ravens play defense, I know they know what their focus is, and they know, like, they're going to have a plan. And it's not take away Pacheco to put it in Mahomes' hands. It's put it in the receivers' hands. Make plays, make plays, make MBS make plays. Exactly. Take away, take away yeah. your strong suits. Make – Rice and MVS and, and Sky Moore make a big play. Make all those dudes. We are focused on. We got two linebackers that can run around and take turns with Pacheco and Kelsey all day if you want us to. Yeah. Y'all gonna have to be Mahone. He's going to have to beat us. This game is gonna have to be 35-31. Mahomes wins. Like it's going to have to be that way. You are going. You are going to have to beat this defense, but you are not going to do it. Using Kelsey and Pacheco all day. I so to your point as well. The other bet that I was looking at, and and this goes back to having faith in Mahomes. Kansas City's team total is nineteen and a half. I don't see a scenario where Kansas City doesn't score twenty plus, and, and that's Baltimore's defense is really good. But we just <laughs> talked about the fact that if they're going to win, it's going to be because of Mahomes. And 19 and a half. I, I Baltimore could still win. They could go out and win, put up 28. But I still think that they're going to get to 21. They're going to get to 24. Like, I would stay away from this line if it was even 21 and a half. But I think to say that Mahomes in an AFC championship game is not going to score 20 points is kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm taking – I'd take the over. Easily, because like especially I would have to, right? Because I would have to assume that if I'm saying they will win. If if we get Chiefs Ravens and it's 17 to 14, then I'm gonna lose my mind because I just it's not out of the realm. I know it's not out of the realm. I just think we're talking about MVP Lamar and Mahomes playing at the level that he does in the playoffs, and you can slow down great players. I just don't think that you can outright stop them, which is why it's just a lot of times what we don't see is when two great teams, two with two great quarterbacks play, we also don't see two of the top five defenses going against yeah. Like, you're also, it's not like, I mean, Mahomes facing the best defense in the league. Lamar facing like the third or fourth best defense in the league. Like, there's not that big of a gap of what they got to face on the other side. So, like, it's a, it's a bigger objective for Mahomes to do, but because he's done it so many times, I think you're asking, you're expecting Lamar to do more than you are Mahomes because he's done it so many times. I think at this point, everybody's like, he's bound to fail. Like he's yeah. failed before. He lost to Burrow. You know, he didn't win the Super Bowl every year. So essentially, 21 on Burrow, though. I know Burrow didn't have that defense, but yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I think everybody's at this point, like, he's bound to fail and maybe fail miserably. And like, I think it would be perfect for Lamar. Cause I don't think I win handily. Yeah. Like it would just be perfect for Lamar to take over that. Like that changes just the culture around it. Football. Well, for well because that's the thing. If they win a tight game and, and let's say it is 17 to 14, then it's going to be man. Lamar's defense came up huge against Mahomes. Like that, they'll just find a way to, to but you'll be okay with that. you know, what's crazy though. You'll, you'll be okay with that because he'll have another opportunity. Yep. He might play the 49ers and he didn't blow them out. So now all the pressure's on him. 
Like yeah. at that point, they blew them out. Like all the pressure would be on the Ravens once again. I don't care how they want it. Like even if as long as Lamar didn't play poor and the yeah. defense showed up, like as long as he played good, like okay, he didn't lose them the game. If he just managed the game, scored when they needed to, managed the game, and the defense came up big, Lamar's still winning Super Bowl MVP. Okay, so last point on this game. Give me someone who's getting in the end zone. Who's someone that you think in this game is going to score? Um, uh, I don't really <laughs> want to be random about this. I, well, I, I mean, here's the thing. People try to go outside the box. They try to say, like, it's going to be Nelson Aguilar. Like, it, if it's Mark Andrews, if it's Travis Kelsey, like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Man, I, I, I kind of want to go outside the box, though, because I think there's one person that it, okay, you got to go outside the box score. Sky Moore. Wow. I, I think the Chiefs, man, this is the best defense they've faced all year, man. I think they're going to have to pull out some. Some weird. One of the, even on the, you know, they on that, it's like third and goal on the two, bunch package, put. Sky more in motion for the little touch pass, swinging like I could see something like that. They might have to pull that out in any scenario. It could be fourth and two on their forty. Like they might have to do something like that anyway. He just break big. So, so I'm I'm gonna say two names that I would sprinkle on. Definitely not go and put your mortgage on these two. I think one is Miko Hardman because of the goal line fumble last week. I think it's that it could be. He, he's one of those guys. He's plus six twenty five to score. So like not. Again, I'd toss a fiver on it. If it hits, awesome. If not, that's fine. And then in the same breath on the Baltimore side, I'd throw five bucks on Dalvin Cook because you get to third and goal and he just finds his way out there and they're like, give it to a vet and he'll punch it in for us. So those would be the two sprinkles. I think if you're actually just picking someone to score, um, we are competitive hedge. So let's give you a hedge opportunity because they're both plus money right now. I bet Lamar and Edwards to score. They're plus 110, plus 105. One of them gets in. You're still profiting. If both of them get in, then you've got a really good day. So I think that the key to them winning this game is they are going to have to do well on the ground. Kansas City's defense is much better passing defense than rush defense. So I think that one of those guys is going to get into the end zone. So I think that that's a good hedge opportunity. Um, but one thing, we'll give a quick shout out to our sponsor, actually, Betalytics, because if you are looking for touchdown plays, they've got their touchdown tool over at betalytics.com. Use code HEDGE for 25% off. Uh, I've been using it all year. They, they're really solid on the first touchdown scores as well. I know that I punched a couple Gus Edward tickets this year based off of their plays. So shout out to Betalytics. Use code HEDGE for 25% off. So let's move over to the other game, the one that people are probably less excited for if you're not excited for championship weekend for whatever reason. And it's, it's San Francisco. They're minus seven and a half taken on Detroit San Fran, the team that we probably all expected to be here, especially once they snagged the one seed taking on a Detroit team that got talked about as being the fourth best team in the NFC all year or the fifth best team. And, and now they find themselves here in a spot First time in an NFC championship game in a very long time. They're the division winners. Dan Campbell's got them playing some great football. Is this a how bad is San Francisco going to win, or, or do you think that Detroit truly is a fighting chance in this game? 
And I'm all in on Detroit. You're all in on Detroit, Kate. In Detroit. You've gone to Dan Campbell University and you and you're graduating. So so what is it about Detroit for you? Man, I think this team is full of superstars. Like I think this team literally has star players at every important position. You just because it's Detroit and you don't ever take them serious, like okay, now the world's about to see like bro, Aiden Hutchinson, dog. Amara St. Brown was a top five wide receiver this year. Jameer Gibbs, when he is used, is literally, bro, he's Alvin Kamara, literally. Like, it's the same. It's the same person, same type. That was his comparison coming out. And, and when he gets used, it's the same way. David Montgomery, that's been, like, probably the best one-two punch out the backfield all year, especially when healthy. Like, they got a tight end, top five to seven tight end as a rookie. Yeah. Like they nailed a rookie class. Like, bro, they have stars on their team and they have stars in the making. And I'm just, bro, I'm all in. Like, this team is better than people think because these dudes that name whose names stick out, the people who jersey they do wear, like they are those dudes. Like Amamra St. Brown can damage a game like Tyreek Hill has because he's done it before. Like yeah. Sam Laporta has gotten multiple touchdowns in a game before. Like Jameer Gibbs can take a in the playoffs, take a run to the crib for 40 yards. Like these dudes are real deal playmakers. You just how often are you watching Detroit on a Sunday for real? Like casual fans and, and get the national media going. How serious do you take Detroit up until now where you have to? Yeah. I mean, so, I, the Bucks might be like the th here's what I like about this game um i think that the way that dan campbell's defense plays like i think that they're dialing up blitz is 60 70 percent of the time i think it's been proven that if you get to purdy early like hutchinson's got three sacks in his two playoff games so far this year so if he's causing havoc in that backfield then they definitely have a shot because look when purdy's untouched when he's got that clean jersey in a dome then yeah, he, he can look really good. He can throw for four touchdowns, 300-plus yards. Debo is questionable, and he's got a shoulder issue. Like, I don't know how impactful he's truly going to be in this game. And I know he's got CMC, he's got Ayuk, he's got Kittle, so he still has other options. But we have seen without Debo in the lineup, granted CMC was out too, but with without him in the lineup, it is a, a very different offense. So... I do think that there is a potential scenario here where Detroit's able to disrupt. And I think that it's going to actually come down to quarterback play because you, both these defenses, they're second and third against the run. As good as CMC is, as good as that two-headed monster of DeMont and Gibbs is, I think that it's going to come down to who's going to play better. Is it going to be Jared Goff, who's been probably underappreciated since he got to Detroit? And it's Brock Purdy. So what which quarterback would you trust more in that game? You gonna say Brock? Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I wanna say I'm I'ma go golf. Okay. I'm gonna go golf. Why? I've seen him win this game before. Yeah. Seen him play in the Super Bowl. Now He's with Dan Campbell, who I think is a pretty damn good head coach. Last time we seen him win that game, he was with Sean McVay, offensive wizard. Went on, won the Super Bowl. You know, okay. But 
Brock Purdy outplays damn near everybody he go against. I, I know. It's, so, I, so actually, I was going to ask you this question before you get into it. So how much does the legacy of these two QBs, like, change based off of how this game goes? Because if Purdy goes to a Super Bowl, it'll be back-to-back NFC championships now going to a Super Bowl. Everyone's going to point to the roster, but that's a QB that's back-to-back NFC championships going to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff is a guy that's been to a Super Bowl. He looked terrible in said Super Bowl, but he's gotten to a Super Bowl. He's put up great numbers since he's got to Detroit. Like, how much does it really change for these guys to get over the hump this year? It changes more for Goff. Yeah. He's a former number one pick, and you start to look at his resume. This dude been to a Super Bowl. He lost. Play bad. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, that game literally consisted of one big catch by Gronk. That was it. Like, other than that, that was the worst Super Bowl I ever watched. Um, But golf, the former number one pick, okay? So we already expect greatness. You've been to the playoffs on multiple occasions. You've been to the Super Bowl. You lost, so you got some playoff wins. You just added some more playoff wins to your belt. You You just added two more. You get to the Super Bowl. That's three more. I'm saying you win the Super Bowl. There's there go four wins this year. So now you start to look at his playoff record. His playoff record starts to look immaculate. Former number one pick. The Rams gave up on him, and Stafford comes in, immediately wins the Super Bowl. Jared Goff joins the rebuild. Instead of the Lions making him the bridge quarterback, they make him the guy, and he wins the Super Bowl while grinding it out. He could have said, I want to be out. I'll be the bridge guy, draft the guy, and I can be out. Instead, he embraced it. And he goes and wins like in Detroit's on the map and does some historical. The first franchise to ever get a championship. And it's like, like Jared Goff will go, he'd go down in American history. <laughs> if Brock Purdy and San Francisco win, it's like add another one to the San Francisco's legacy. Sure, if Purdy can do it, anybody can do it. But he was decent. He was decent in college anyway. The roster's loaded. You'd start picking apart why Purdy shouldn't get all the credit. CMC, you know, vice versa. But I know as much as a mom run all that, golf would be the leader. Golf and Dan Campbell would be the head honchos of of that. Because they couldn't do it. They never did it with Stafford. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that he's better than Stafford. I'm just saying, like, they had their guy that they loved in Stafford. You know, he left. They loved that he went and won a Super Bowl. But you see how they felt having, nah, we play you in the playoffs. You ain't our boy no more see how they treated them or whatever. So what what do you think would have to change with like what does Purdy have to do to finally earn respect? Is it is it he plays well in a Super Bowl? Because like we talk about the roster and how good it is. Defense is great, especially that D line, all these weapons and everything. Like what what does Brock have to do? And I know that a lot of this comes back to well he's the last pick in the draft, mystery relevant. But if you go and win a Super Bowl, and let's say he's Super Bowl MVP, like does all of this just go away finally and we're just ready to say that Purdy is a good quarterback in the NFL? Because it feels like we we still find ways to to discredit him at times. Not us in particular, but the general sports media. No, nah, he gotta nope. He gotta play good after this year. So well, even 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 if he plays well in a Super Bowl, wins Super Bowl MVP he would still have more to prove after that. I mean, well, I mean, what conversation are we? We're just saying he, a good, well, I think he's a good quarterback now. 
Okay. That's good. And that's what I mean, because we think, I think that we both think that he's a good quarterback. It's yeah, just, I think he's good. The conversation around him is always like he could have four straight games where he has 12 touchdowns, no picks, but then we go to that one game where he was really bad and, and we kind of forget about it with other quarterbacks, but we don't seem to with him. To me, he, Here's my thing. I think he's good. I think he's in the conversation. I think he can join the – he's in that Dak and Kirk Cousins and, and Jared Goff. Like, he's in that Kyler Murray, he, that group of quarterback conversation, Russell Wilson. He's in that group. Wherever you put him in that group, I don't care. Like, if you yeah. put him at the top of the group. Year to year, he could be anywhere from 7 to 12, but he's just not going to crack the top yeah, he ain't five gonna, or six guys. You just ain't going to lay your eyes – like even throw Trevor Lawrence in that group with Dak and them, yeah. but you're not gonna lay your eyes on. There's just certain dudes, no matter what he do, you just know he's not better than. Like, it's like Mahomes when he had the interception issues a couple of years ago, and everyone's like, "Oh man, he's leading the league in interceptions." It's like still Patrick Mahomes, like he's still a top five quarterback. In the but league. I think I think here's my thing, and the reason why I say after this year because people are gonna question it because of how loaded the roster is and all that. Right? You got an older roster, people are gonna age. Win a Super Bowl, people gonna want more money. What happens? Oh, the roster is gonna deteriorate. So sure. now, I don't think the 49ers go back. They're not gonna be no trash roster. They're just gonna have to make some business decisions and maybe lose a key player or two. I don't know who that is because it might not be a guy that you're thinking about. I'm not saying it's. It might not be the Ayuk or Debo or Fred Werner or something like that. It might be that you know, one of their safeties that we're not thinking about that was a big, important piece, and then you start to dive into the numbers when next year you find out how important he was to that defense next year when their defense ain't playing as good. But, you know, Super Bowl teams get expensive. You don't keep them together. I mean, look, they had Tyreek Hill. Like, the Chiefs had Tyreek Hill. He left for the bread. So, like, it happens. Even to your star players, people want more money. My price went up. I just brought this franchise a championship. I'm now more valuable to you guys. Like, I just made this franchise more valuable. So, yeah, people start to be like, okay, I conducted my business. I did my job. Now, you know, I want a little raise. And it disbands teams a little bit. So if the roster depletion, the talent depletes just slight enough for him to not just overwhelmingly where his talent is so good, we're like, damn put 15 other quarterbacks on that team and they do the same thing. If he's able to not do that, like he can follow that up and keep doing it. And you'd be like, well, he's doing just as good a job as anybody else would. Then you're like, okay. okay. But this year right now, your roster so loaded. It's just tough for me to believe that you're that guy, but I'm, I'm going to be honest though. He outplays damn near all those guys that I named like in that group. He basically outplays them when his team plays them. This is true. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give you my one player prop and then let's talk a touchdown potential player. So I actually think that Christian McCaffrey's under 19 and a half rushing attempts is worth a look because I just talked about how good Detroit's run defense is. I, that's not to say that they're going to like shut down Christian McCaffrey. I, I don't think that you shut him down. Um, I think that he'll play a bigger part in the passing game. I still think he's going to have like 15 rush attempts. But if you're telling me that he's going to run the ball 20 times in this game, I just I think that that's a very high number with where it's at. What do you think? Because I'm betting against a stud. 
Like he was the best running back in the NFL this year, but because he's also the receiving threat that he is every single week, I just don't know if the attempts are going to be there on the rushing side. My only thing is, is when it comes to studs, if I ever feel like I got to take they under, I won't take them. Okay. I, can't, I can't bet get Not like I've learned my lesson taking unders in guys such as like Luka Doncic. Like if I feel like his under looks good, just don't touch it. Don't even worry about it because they're just studs and they do what they do when that when the moment calls. And the moment calls for CMC, to, he might have to put this team on his back. What if Brock Purdy played terrible and they're able to run the ball, though? So the only thing that I will say about this one is that since the beginning of October, CMC has only gone over 20 rush attempts twice. Really? He is 19, 11, 15, 12, 16, 19, 17, 16. Like, he's – again, I – I hate betting against a stud, but when I see 19 and a half, I think 20 attempts, because all that that takes is Elijah Mitchell comes in and gets some carries, right? Like, not that he's going to get a ton, because we know that CMC is the clear number one running back there, but I just think that the attempts is maybe a little bit high there is all. So it's one that I'll monitor. It's currently minus 145, so they clearly think that he is going to go under that line. If it moves to... 18 and a half, then I probably stay away. But at least as of now, because we are still 48 hours from kickoff, there still is some time for these lines to move. But that's at least where we're at right now. So, Mo, last thing, give me a touchdown player for this game and then tell me who's going to be in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. All right. Well, I'm not going to be Captain Obvious and say Christian McCaffrey. So, wait. So, you didn't want minus 400 Christian McCaffrey. No, no, you know, that's just such Captain Obvious. So I'm going to go with the other Captain Obvious on the other side. Amon St. Brown. Okay. There's going to be a point in time. I took him last week, but there's going to be a point in time where he's going to get an opportunity to score a touchdown. Every game, he does get an opportunity. Sometimes it could be a shoestring tackle, whatever it may be. He will get his opportunity to score a touchdown. And I think in this type of game, I think a slightly underrated receiver, honestly, because he's just as good as anyone, everybody else that we've talked about, especially this year. Number for number, he's just as good as everybody else. CD, Tyree. This dude's going to get in the end zone. If Detroit want to have an opportunity, he's going to get in the end zone because big-time players make big-time plays, and Ben Johnson draws up. He gets his stars the ball. Like, I'm going, I'm going to get you the ball. You saw it last week when they threw it over the shoulder in the back of the end zone. Like, that was meant for we got to get you the ball in this moment. So he's going to have that opportunity. I think he come down with it and score. Okay. I am going to give you for this game because I haven't seen him score in quite a while. Uh, Brandon Ayuk. I think that uh, Kittle got his last week. CMC is always going to be the focus. I think if Debo does play, I don't think that it's at Debo level. I think that he'll still have an impact, but maybe not as much as he could. So I think that Ayuk is probably the guy in the San Francisco offense that you'd be looking at for a touchdown. Um, and you get some pretty good odds around his right now, currently sitting at plus 100. So, Mo, who's playing in the Super Bowl before I let you go? Man. 
give me a Chiefs and Lions rematch. <laughs> Week one rematch. Yeah. Let me get the Chiefs and Lions. Patrick Mahomes. God, I know. Just because I'm going to go against the grain. Because I could just yeah. seem like a genius going the underdog route both ways. So, yeah. It's fine. I'm the opposite of you. Uh, I think it's Baltimore and it's San Fran. Another rematch that we could potentially get. And so because of that, we're obviously going to be getting like Kansas City, San Fran, or we're going to get Detroit, Baltimore, just because that's the way that things work. Exactly. Because that's the only way. I mean, the 49ers versus either AFC team is intriguing. But the way I, I just – a Chiefs versus Lions or Ravens versus 49ers. But then at that point, which game is really more intriguing, though? Because the last time they played, that came down to the wire where the Ravens blew out the 49ers. So, like, yes, you expect this 49ers team to get their get back and da-da-da, I get it. Tough to beat a team twice, Harbaugh, Shanahan, I get it. It's a lot to sell there. But, like, as far as just on the field football goes, like, that Chiefs-Lions might be a better matchup. Just All right, good. well, Mo, I appreciate you coming on the show. Go and check out his two podcasts, Up in Flames. Check out Field Stormers. Him and Walker do a great job over at Off the Ball Network with that. Stay tuned for part two of this episode. We're going to do a deep dive into the college basketball slate for the week. And we'll see you guys next time for the Competitive Hedge podcast. All righty, we are back with part two of episode 220. Time to talk some college basketball as we are right in the thick of college basketball season. We got about six weeks until conference tournament play begins, and we're super fired up. We got the power six that we're going to go through today, and then we're going to give you our top five bets for college basketball on Saturday, January 27th. And we're going to start in the ACC. Now, this is a conference that you would probably deem pretty top-heavy. You got North Carolina, you've got your Dukes of the world, but it goes a little bit deeper this year when it comes to the ACC, and it kind of varies from week to week. I think if the tournament were to start today, you could see about a half dozen teams in the ACC making the tournament. Now, when we're talking about games in particular for Saturday, UNC and FSU, that's one that I'm trying to avoid here. Florida State has looked really good in college play, which is surprising given that this was supposed to be a down year for them. So we're going to stay away altogether. You've got UNC on the road at minus seven and a half. I just think that it's a bad spot there to take either side, especially given how well UNC is playing, but how hard it is to go on the road in conference play. Then you got your Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech matchup, not one that I love. I don't love either of these teams. So I'm going to stay away. And then Virginia minus seven and a half on the road against Louisville. Now, I don't love Virginia. If you've listened to the show over the last number of years, you'd probably think that I am a Virginia hater. And this is probably the Cavaliers team that I hate the most. No uh, disrespect for, to Virginia. I do kind of like Cleveland a little bit more as a city. But Louisville, this isn't a great team, but they are at home. I just think that when you see seven and a half on the road, it's tough to really pick a side. Now, Let's talk about the games that we are looking at because there is plenty there. Boston College minus two and a half taking on Notre Dame. I really like this Boston College spot. Uh, I think that it's a really good one for them. They score the ball really well. And Notre Dame, they are having a down year. It is one of those name recognition things of really Notre Dame at home, their dogs. I do think that Boston College is a good spot here. So I do like the minus two and a half. Now, Pittsburgh and Miami, one of the tougher ones to navigate, especially since the Canes are minus four and a half at home, tips off at 2 p.m. Eastern time. But 
this kind of Miami juice, given their recent record, I think is a little bit shocking. And if you shop around Pittsburgh plus five and a half, that is out there. They are coming off that big win in Cameron Indoor Stadium. But I keep waiting for Miami to figure it out. I think they're a tournament team. I think that they're going to have a strong second half of the ACC schedule. If it dips to minus three and a half, maybe two and a half, maybe we get a little bit of juice with Pitt because of that Duke win, then I'm definitely going to hop on the hurricane train. But as of right now, we'll wait and see where this one lies. Now, Clemson, they're taking on my team, number 12 Duke. We got the jersey behind us so you can see that we are J.J. Redick fans, Duke Blue Devils fans. And it's a tough one because we got P.J. Hall coming in to Cameron Indoor, taking on Kyle Filipowski. I think you're going to see a ton of money flood in on Duke, especially at that minus seven and a half. Hopeful that that line dips. Maybe we get it to six and a half. But I think when you've got a team like Duke, the national power that they are, it's really tough to see that kind of line movement. Or you can maybe hope that Clemson jumps out to an early 12 to four lead, maybe 12 to six. You can get the money line at a little bit better of a price. But as of now, I'm going to hold off and maybe just watch this game. That one tips off at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And then NC State, they're taking on Syracuse plus two and a half on the road. I'm a much bigger believer in NC State. I think plus 120 on the money line right now is some pretty great value. DJ Horn coming off one of his worst performances of the year when he dropped just nine points on Virginia. That defense is going to do that to star players at time. I think he's going to show up big here. He's averaging nearly 15 points per game on the year. So as much as I hate taking so many road teams here, I do think that NC State at plus two and a half is worth a look. And we'll see if we can maybe get that to three and a half. Maybe the the New Yorkers and, and the Cuse fans will uh, really get this one a little bit higher. Now let's head over to the Big Ten. And it's about as mid of a conference as you're going to get this year because outside of Purdue, and even Purdue's had a couple of bad losses, I don't think that you're looking at this uh, conference as a whole and thinking that it's great. And we're going to start out with Nebraska and Maryland. Maryland's minus three and a half, noon Eastern time tip off, opened at five and a half. Love that because I've been doubting Nebraska for weeks. But when I see that kind of line movement, I get very concerned. So I'm waiting on the line minus two and a half. If we can get that down, I'll take Maryland. If not, if I can get that back up to four and a half, five and a half, then I will certainly take Nebraska. Now, there's also a couple games in this conference that I'm staying away from. Indiana and number 10, Illinois. That's normally when you see those two college powers, you think it's going to be a great one. And then you see Illinois minus 12 and a half at home. Indiana having a terrible year. The announcer just a couple weeks ago, he was ripping how badly they have looked. And so I can't back the Hoosiers. And I'm certainly not going to back Illinois with a double digit spread in this conference. You got out Iowa and Michigan. Pick them, bad teams, should be a bit of a shootout. We're seeing 164 and a half right now. So I'm going to stay away from that one, at least for now. And we'll see if the line moves. Hopefully it goes down a bit. People bid it down to 161 and a half, 162. But as of now, we'll stay away. Back to the games that we do like, though. Minnesota and Penn State. I can't believe I'm saying it. Penn State minus two and a half looks intriguing. They're nine and two at home. Still horrific defensively, but... I just think Minnesota being one and three on the road. I look at a guy like Kanye Clary in this game. I think he could definitely go off for 20 plus in front of the home fans. And so at minus two and a half, that's one that I certainly like. Hoping Minnesota fans come in the Gophers. They can bid it down a little bit. Get me to just taking the money line instead of the two and a half. But we'll have to wait and see. And then the late game in the Big Ten, 8.30 Eastern time tip off. Ohio State versus Northwestern minus one and a half. And I can't believe I'm saying it. 
I really like Northwestern here. And Ohio State, their own four road record certainly isn't great. They've only won five of their last 10 as well. So they're playing 500 basketball since probably mid-December. Big fan of this one. And the fact that it's down to one and a half, it was at three and a half earlier. If I can just get that down a little bit more, get to the straight up money line, that would be awesome. But Boo Booey, he's been playing amazing lately. He's had 20 plus in three of his last four games. So maybe worth a player prop. Look on the point side at home. Really like this one for Northwestern. But let's head over to the Big East. Let's face it, this weekend is all about Ed Cooley's return to Providence. One of the biggest moves of the college basketball offseason was leaving Providence to go to Georgetown. And we're not touching Nova Butler. That one's a bit of a pick em. Not taking Creighton at home, especially when it's minus 23 and a half. We got burned with Arizona as a steep spread last week against UCLA. Not looking to have that happen again. So let's focus on this Georgetown and Providence game because Providence are minus 12 and a half at home. Clearly going to be the game of the day, 1230 Eastern time tip off. And this game could go one of two ways. I could very much see Providence blowing out Cooley, winning by 20 plus, really making a statement that you shouldn't have left our school. But I could also see this one as Cooley maybe stealing one and outright maybe a little bit ambitious when we're talking 12 and a half. Do I think that the points could be worth a look, especially when you're looking at an unranked double-digit spread? Yes. I'm going to stay away. I think that it's one that you should really tune into. You get that 12.30 Eastern time tip-off, get up, have a Caesar, have some water, depending on what your hangover cure is, and really settle in because that crowd is going to be crazy at Providence. And then Seton Hall, they're taking on number 14 Marquette, minus 8.5 here for the Golden Eagles, 1 p.m. Eastern time, so a half hour after that, Georgetown and Providence game tips off. And I think this is a great revenge spot for Marquette because just a few weeks ago, we saw Seton Hall win at home by three points as a pretty significant dog. Tyler Kolek for Marquette, he was terrible in that game, one of his worst games of the year, if not the worst. And I think that him being at home, having won three games in a row, they're 9-1 and one at home overall. I see Marquette winning this one big. Mid-second half, I think we see a 15 to 20-point lead, and they coast to cover this spread. But before we head over and give you the remaining Power 6 games that are on the schedule, we got to give a shout-out to our latest sponsor, Dubby Energy. Dubby.gg, get 10% off your order. Some amazing products. Get the powder for your energy needs. Really love their Dragonade. That's one of my personal favorites. Blue Raspberry as well. They got a ton of great flavors over there. And if you use code HEDGE, you get 10% off your order. So really appreciate the folks over at W Energy. Now, if we're talking about a revamped conference, we're looking at the Big 12. And once again, it's a gauntlet. In Texas, when I saw that they were taking on number 21 BYU, I thought we were going to get a minus four and a half, minus five maybe. It is all the way up to minus eight for BYU. I still don't love it enough to take Texas with the points at home, but it's certainly one to monitor now. That being said, we got five other games happening in the Big 12 on Saturday. And it starts with Kansas State, number four, Houston. Houston's minus 15 and a half at home. It's a confusing one for me because I see the over-under total at 128 and a half. I'm not worried about Houston winning outright. I think that's inevitable here. But when you see that steep of a spread, and it's going to happen when you got the number one defense in the country, but you see a total that low, I get concerned. If Kansas State comes out and plays even remotely well offensively and they drop 60-plus, then that is dead. 
But I also don't trust Kansas State enough on the road to cover that, especially when you're taking on a defense of that caliber with the 183rd ranked offense in the nation. So I'll stay away. Hopefully Kansas State actually jumps out to a little bit of a lead so I can get that down maybe to the minus 10 spot. Then I feel a lot more comfortable with it. But at least for now, I'm going to hold off. Then you got number seven, Kansas. They're taking on number 23, Iowa State. Minus two and a half at home. The number 23 squad is, and they tip off at 1.30 Eastern time. Kansas has been a tough one for us. If you've been following the show, we had Kansas last week at minus nine and a half taking on West Virginia. They lost outright. Very tough spot for them. And then they win midweek. They don't look the greatest, but they win nonetheless. And now they're taking on an Iowa State team. They're 12-0 at home. They got balanced scoring. They got three guys averaging over 13 points per game. And they also create a ton of steals. So I think if you are playing a side, it has to be with Iowa State. Take the Cyclones here. They're fifth in the country in steals. But that being said, this still is Kansas. It's still Bill Self. You've still got uh, Hunter Dickinson there. There's plenty of talent. Kevin McCullers as well. So bet with caution. I wouldn't be putting multiple units on a game like this. Then we got probably what we would call the stinker of Big 12 play because you got West Virginia, not a great team, taking on Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are not the same as they were a few years ago with Cade Cunningham there. And now they're at home. Uh, I don't love them offensively. That being said, I see an edge uh, defensive-wise. And as bad as they are offensively, West Virginia is somehow worse. And so you've got Oklahoma State on a six-game losing streak. That's always going to be worrisome to see a team struggling that much and then wanting to jump in and take them to win by a half dozen at home. But I truly do believe that this is a good bounce-back spot for them. That West Virginia spot, it's always going to be tough to win in West Virginia. But when they go on the road, I think they truly get exposed. And I think that's one of those spots here with the Cowboys. And then TCU taking on number 15, Baylor, minus five and a half, 4 p.m. Eastern time tip-off. TCU, they can keep up with Baylor offensively. They're both top 25 in the country in offensive rating. They're also the better team defensive-wise. So I think that we're going to have a tight matchup here. I know that it's always tough to go in and win at Baylor. I'm not saying that TCU is going to win outright, but I do think that they have the potential to keep it close. Now, five and a half, I don't feel fully comfortable with. If we can get this up to six and a half or maybe even seven by tip-off, maybe that Baylor national title a couple years ago, that name recognition is going to get us up to that number, but it's certainly one to monitor. Hope that we can get that number a bit up so we can play TCU tomorrow. And then we'll cap it off with UCF and Cincy. Cincy's minus seven and a half at home. This is a late game in the Big 12. They're getting a ton of juice, and it concerns me when you've got a UCF team that not only won at West Virginia, but they also won at Kansas earlier in the year as well. So they feel comfortable going in on the road in Big 12 play and playing really well. UCF, if I can get this line a little higher, I may play, but as of now, we'll stay away. You got two unranked teams. Hopefully they figure it out. And it'll be a fun game to watch in the later window. Now, if the Big 12 is revamped, then the SEC is just a lot of fun. I see so many great matchups here. A lot that we aren't going to play. I mean, Missouri and South Carolina, that's kind of our stinker. Don't love either of those teams, so we'll stay away. Tennessee and Vandy, I really wanted to play the Volunteers, the number five uh, team in the nation. But then you see a minus 15 and a half road spread, and it's just not something that I can get behind. Dalton Connect, still, if you can get him on your TV, you want to watch. He could drop 25-30, 35-40. This guy's got that kind of scoring talent. 
So it's definitely a must watch. And he's probably one of those guys that I want to play from a player prop perspective. Now, Bama minus 12 and a half at home against LSU. That's another fade spot for me. I think that these teams are a lot closer than they're getting credit for. So I think that 12 and a half is a lot, but I still don't like it enough to play the LSU side. So let's focus on the remaining four games that are there, starting with Georgia and Florida minus seven and a half. And I've been a Bulldogs supporter this year. I think that they're a bit underrated, but I do think that this is a bad matchup for them. I think that Georgia can beat anyone at a neutral site, anyone in their own building. But when you go on the road and you play a Florida team that you know can hang 90 on you any given day, I think you're in a tough spot. And so I see seven and a half. Some books even have it up to eight and a half now. I would get that seven and a half with the Gators if you can. Or once again, if you want to do the live betting thing, maybe Georgia jumps out to a bit of a lead and then you bet the Florida money line at a much better price. Now, Number eight, Auburn taking on Mississippi State. And this is actually one of my favorite plays of the day. I think Mississippi State outright at home at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time is a good spot. Auburn's going to get a ton of backing, which is why I would wait on this line. I got it at two and a half right now. think it could move, especially the second you see top 10 team on the road, they're going to bid them up. Mississippi State doesn't quite have the following unless their name's Brandon Walker. So I just think that this is one where let them bid it up, take the points if you like, but I would also take the outright money line if you want to sprinkle a little bit of upset action on Saturday. Number six, Kentucky taking on Arkansas, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Kentucky minus five and a half on the road. And I just think Arkansas are bad. I know that I got hooked last week with Kansas against West Virginia, but I think that Kentucky's offense is vastly better. Look at someone like Reeves' point rebound assist line if you're looking to put in an underdog ticket. But I'm just not going to fade Kentucky. I think on the road, that's a really good spot for them. So I like the Wildcats minus five and a half. And then Ole Miss and A&M, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you're looking for some late night action, I think that is one of those spots. And I think that Ole Miss is a really talented team. And Matt Merle's been really solid. A&M, they're a team that you had higher, higher expectations for them. They were in the AP top 20 when the season began. And I think that they are going to get back to that point. I'm hoping that we can get... It's currently six and a half, bid it up a bit, get Ole Miss at a much better number. But early lines, I would take Ole Miss at the plus six and a half. And then honestly, I don't have a lot to say about this final conference because quite frankly, I think the Pac-12 is really bad. I think Arizona and Oregon, that's going to be a bit of a stinker. You're going to take Arizona on the road minus four after they almost lost to UCLA and lost midweek. I think it's a bad look. Arizona State, Oregon State, couple of irrelevant states that just aren't very good, so I would stay away. And both aren't great between Utah and Washington either. For me, this is the least profitable conference. I don't know why you're going to this action unless you're really waiting for that Hawaii game late. But at least for me, I'm staying away from those. I think Colorado on the road against Washington State's worth a look. They are a team that's been kind of in and out of the AP top 25. This is a game where their pace, they could run the Cougars out of the gym on the road. But it is still a pick em, so at the very least, Vegas thinks that this is going to be a close game. So Colorado's worth a look. And then I'd back USC. I know that Collier's going to be out. Bronny James needs to finally realize how good he can be because he shows flashes of being an NBA-caliber guy, and I just need him to do it a little bit more consistently. But when I see minus four uh, at home, and you've got UCLA coming off that emotional game, with Arizona last weekend, I just think that it's a really good spot to back USC to win by a big number against an inferior opponent. 
But with that, we've broken down all the games that we like heading into the Saturday slate. Now it's time for our last call pick segment sponsored by Last Mountain Distillery. We've got the logo up in the top left where we give you our top five college basketball bets for the day. But let's give a quick shout out to those sponsors because Last Mountain Distillery, they're a family owned and operated company located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Saskatchewan's first micro distillery success lies in their commitment to producing high quality handcrafted spirits. Their craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Check out some of their great products. Love their old fashioned, one of my personal favorites. My wife loves the Caesar here and there, and she loves the dill pickle Caesar vodka. So really appreciate the folks over there at Last Mountain Distillery. Check out their great products. So with that, let's cap it off. Let's give you our top five plays for college basketball. We're going to stay away from the power six with our first one, which is Elon minus two and a half versus Hampton for a half unit. Both teams are on skids, but five games is better than an 11 game skid. So give me the Phoenix to rise from the ashes, pick up a road win here at minus two and a half against a Hampton team that only has four wins on the entire year. Then I like Mississippi State plus two and a half against Auburn for a full unit. Play the points to be careful, but money line because you like a plus money home dog in the SEC. I do think that you wait on this line. Hopefully you get better value. Regardless, I would play the plus two and a half right now. Hopefully we can get some more points before tip-off begins in the evening. I like Boston College. That's our third best play at minus two and a half versus Notre Dame for a full unit. Fade the Irish. They are not the fighting Irish that they have been in years past. Not a lot of fight left in this team. And so I really like Boston College. Our second favorite play is Northwestern minus one and a half against Ohio State. We're going to put one and a half units on this one. Feels weird to say it, Northwestern over Ohio State in basketball, but I like the Wildcats at home. I think that they're a wagon in comparison to a very inconsistent Buckeyes team. And then to cap it off, two-unit play, Evansville Moneyline versus Illinois State. Better offense, better rebounding, 7-2 and two at home. They're going to have me play in the Purple Aces here for full two-unit play. Hey, we appreciate everyone who gave episode 220 a listen. Be sure to go and join the Playbook HQ Discord, folks. If you don't know what that is, go and check it out in our description below. Gives you the link. $5 premium gives not only our plays, but some amazing plays from some other cappers like Kev Betts, Joe's Picks, a lot of other great cappers. Definitely worth your investment. And so we appreciate you all, and we'll see you guys next week for the Competitive Hedge Podcast.